Welcome to the live preaching message from Loyalty House International, a denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to teach and to preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your presence manifesting by visitation of your Holy Spirit. I pray for every soul under the sound of my voice that they will not live here the same as they have come. But shall receive a touch of you that will strengthen them and that will cause them to march forward. That will bring peace into their hearts. And that will cause them to know that you are a faithful God. And that to serve you is not in vain. And to walk faithfully with you is a blessing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your visit. To do God's will in our midst. Thank you. Jesus, our Savior, we are grateful that your work on the cross will not be in vain in our lives. But it shall bear much fruit that the Father will be glorified in us. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Heavenly Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And the saints shall say with me, Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No, it's okay. Let us sit wherever she wants to sit. Hallelujah. Well, it's a blessing this morning to be in church. A weather like this, our flesh will call for sleep. Sometimes not necessarily sleep, but just to lie in bed under, under a covering of a sort. But, you know, we are not ruled by the flesh. And therefore, we have chosen to be in the gathering of the saints and have the Spirit of the Lord speak to us. Amen. And I believe God shall speak with you. Tell the person sitting by you, God shall speak with you. And you will never be the same. Amen. You see, one of the things I want to make you aware is that God speaks to us every day. Not only by his servants, but he speaks to us every day. The problem is we don't hear. I said the problem is that we don't hear or we don't see. So one of the things that I would want you to make it your prayer that you may hear and that you may see. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, I find an interesting statement made by Moses. I, I found it quite interesting. I'm going to verse 4, but let's start from verse 1 so that you know who's speaking and what the person is saying. Our screen is a black background. It's also a star. Can you see? Really? You can see like the way I'm seeing. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure whether you could see. Do you get it? No, I'm not sure whether you could see. But they say, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses. What are you doing? These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Verse 2. And Moses called unto Israel, or Moses called unto all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, unto Pharaoh, and unto all his servants, and unto all his land. The great temptations which thy eyes have seen, the signs, and the great miracles. So you see, what Deuteronomy, it's a recount of, it's like they've gotten to a place. Many things have happened after leaving Egypt. When Moses was telling them what the Lord would want them to know in preparation for his exit. In preparation for his exit. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to walk with God and to know when is your time is up. Not because you are sick. Do you get it? But it's like you are well, but you know your time is up. And so he's giving them a recount of the stories of what has happened and where to from here. And he's told them in all the terms, you have to keep the commandments. These are the things you will not do. These are the places you must establish. And all those things. When this happens, you must do this. When this happens, 28, it tells them, if you serve God, he will bless you. If you don't serve him, he will curse you. I tell you, as I was reading, I realized that curses are more. 
The curses are a lot. So I said, no, let me stay with the blessing side. But the curses were very detailed. And, and if you go to Israel, they have a, a, a museum. It has happened as it was prophesied. When they decided to do contrary, it has happened as it was prophesied. And you realize that, you see, human beings, we are nothing. Sometimes we feel we are something, but the truth is we are nothing. I mean, if you do a little bit of analysis, you realize that we are nothing at all. But that's not what I'm talking about. Let me go on. It says, yet, you see, you've seen all these things. The verse 3, go, go to verse 3. It says, the great temptations which thine eyes have seen, the signs and those great miracles. You've seen it. But look at what he says in verse 4. Yet the Lord hath not given you an heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. So I said to myself, ah, if the people have seen, how can it be that they have not seen? You see, you cannot say you have seen something when you don't get a message from it to change and to direct you. You cannot say you have heard when what you hear does not bring either a direction or what to do or something or does not give you a message. Most of us, we see things, but we don't see or we don't hear the message that is in it. So Moses said that, yet the Lord hath not given you. So it dawned on me that one of the things that I must pray for that God will give me is the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the heart to perceive. No, don't, don't leave it unprayed for. It doesn't look like it's a valuable prayer topic when it comes to your needs. But actually, if you can perceive, if you can hear, and if you can see, your prayers will be, you, you will not need even prayers. No, no, it's true. It doesn't look like a prayer topic. I said, it doesn't look like a prayer topic. You see, Elisha was not moved when he was surrounded. When his servant came and gave him a report that we are surrounded, we are surrounded. He was not moved because he could see that the people that are there have to pass through a barrier. A barrier that is so bigger than their force can contain. So, you see, when you, have, have you ever seen a snake trying to bite you when the snake is in a glass? It's like, you can do what you want to do, but you can't bite me. Do you get it? Even though sometimes we are so fearful that even in a glass we still... Do you get it? But it's, it's like what is surrounding you? Or sometimes you have divers who dive in a capsule in the midst of sharks. And it's like, come try, but you, can't, you won't succeed. Come try, but you won't succeed because I'm protected. What is surrounding me is stronger than you. Now, so in the same way, we need to pray to perceive in our hearts, to see with our eyes beyond what is presented to us and to hear with our ears beyond what is said. Hallelujah. If, if you pray for this, you will do well in almost every encounter with Satan. You will do very well. Because you see, whatever is said, you, you, you understand beyond what you are told. So it's a prayer topic that I feel we should pray for. Because, you see, without us accepting it, life here on earth, it's not a life on ice that is sliding smoothly. No, no, it's not. It's not. It, you see, when you are saved, it's even worse. When you are born again, it's worse. I said, when you are born again, it's worse. When you are not born again, it's a one-sided affair. It's like you and Satan. But when you are born again, it's Satan versus God. And you are the centerpiece. So the struggle is more, and Job said it right in Job chapter 7, verse 1. But the life of man, the life of man is full of struggle. Job 7, or Job, I mean, whichever, but it's, I mean, let's, let's say, let's agree that it's Job. Give, give, give me NLT. It's not all human life a struggle. It's not all human life a struggle. It's not, that's the question he asked. And this is Job speaking, not his friends. He said, it's not all human life a struggle. And you see, when we don't have the ability to perceive, when we don't have the ability to see, and when we don't have the ability to hear what we, what we must hear, the struggle can be very, we, we can feel helpless and therefore be deceived. You see, because what happens is when you don't hear what God is saying, when you don't see what God is showing you, and when you don't understand what God is trying to tell you. What happens is that when Satan speaks, you only hear Satan. Through the struggles, Satan will tell you, this is it. You've had it. There's no one to deliver you from me. Who has delivered anybody from my hands? So what happens is that you be, before you realize, you begin to believe Satan. And he will, you see, he will present evidence from where he knows you can see. 
And he will tell you. And he, you see, he has been training your minds all these years through circular system of education to how to analyze and to draw conclusion. So when he begins to show you what you can see or what he knows you can see, then he tells you, based on this fact, what, what conclusion can you draw? Based on this fact, what conclusion can you draw? So we need to have a deeper understanding and we must pray for it. You see, don't leave it that it will come naturally. Ask for it. Because Moses said, and yet God, and yet God. So if God has not given you, then ask for it. I said, then ask for it. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 4 should be your prayer topic the whole of next year. And probably should be your prayer topic all the days of your life. So that you can see, you can perceive. Give you a spirit that is sensitive. I said, give you a spirit or to help you to, for your spirit to be sensitive. For your eyes to see beyond what you are being shown. And for your ears to hear. And I tell you, you are going to be a winner. Amen. Amen. So this is just a little prayer topic that I feel. And it's actually in line with what I'm about to talk about. Which I've been talking about for some time. And it's about our living for Jesus. And therefore, the challenges we have to face. You see, knowledge of Hosea 4 chapters. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says that my people are destroyed. They are destroyed. They are destroyed. Not because I don't have power, but it's because they lack knowledge. They lack knowledge of me and how I operate and who is me and how that I'm so faithful that nothing changes my commitment to you. Hallelujah. Because listen, if life is a struggle, then what it means is that even though God has said this, it's not going to come easily. It's not going to come easily. It's going to come through fight. And one of the ways by which you fight is to equip yourself. A knowledge of God and his ways is also an equipment. Because then you cannot be deceived. You see, if you don't know somebody well, that is when somebody can come and deceive you about that person. But the bishop said I should come for his khakis. Do you get it? Yes, somebody can come and tell the bishop. It's the bishop I know. He will never send somebody to come for his khakis. I've known him all these years. If you want something, he talks to me directly. So, mm. That you are sending me. So you ask the question, where is he? Oh, he, he's sitting there. Ah, but he told me he's out. So how can you say he's sitting there? You get it? So it's, it's when you begin to ask questions, because whatever is being presented to you is contrary to what you know about the person. That is when the truth will come out. But if you don't know a person, so Bishop said I should come for his khakis. They say, okay. Because you don't know that he doesn't do that. You get it? That's the problem with most of us that we have a God we don't know. You get it? We have a God we don't know. So Satan comes and tells us, you see, I told you, God has abandoned you. God doesn't do this. And with so many things, before you realize you are, you are angry with God, when he has, he's actually working things out to bless you and to glorify you, then you are rather angry because of what you don't know. And unfortunately, we spend a lot of time doing other things than to know the God that has called us and has saved us. And I'm, I'm really believing God that all of us here would have a certain personal passion to walk with God ourselves. You see, I didn't say we are, we are in a church, all right. But I want you as an individual to be passionate about your walk with God. Yeah, I, I pray for you that you will be passionate. Where your walk with God is going to bring a big change in your life and it's going to cause you to advance higher and forward. Hallelujah. So that through you, God would do great miracles to bless many more people, including yourself. Amen. Great. So we are learning about God and it shouldn't be boring. You see, when you go to church, you shouldn't always look for excitation. Did you get it? Excitation is but for a moment. Like other things you do that excites you for some five minutes. After that, everything comes back to normal. I don't know why the people are laughing. But... I mean, you know why they are laughing. You don't know why they are laughing. Yeah, I also don't know why they are laughing. You get it back. Some people are laughing. I don't know. Maybe they should tell you your, their thoughts. They are what? They are perceiving. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good. So, so we've been talking about living for Jesus because he has promised us a life which is not this one. So that they which live or they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Christ who died and rose for them. 2 Corinthians 5.15 is the verse. 
you get it? Which Christ has already said in many other places in the gospel when he talks to a father, if anyone will save his life, he shall lose it. You see, you will lose it because it's corrupted. And when anything that is corrupted ends up being destroyed. Anything that is infected or corrupted ends up decaying. You get it? it ends up decaying. Jesus or God which of, of, of which Jesus is God with us, knows the end of a thing from the beginning. And he understands and knows this life more than you and me. He knows where we came from and he knows where we are going. We don't know where we came from. We are only getting to know where we will be going. But where we came from, who decided that we should come? Particularly through the parents we came. We, we don't know. We, we woke up and found ourselves. That, ah, this one is called my mother and this one is my father. And that's what we have. Hallelujah. So he who knows everything says to us that they, I mean, whosoever will save his life. I think let's look at that verse before we come to Luke chapter 9 verse 24 or so. I'm sharing a lot of verses with you because that's what we should do in church. Oh, yeah. I, can, I know how to shout and make you happy. You get it? But after five minutes, you, when you leave church, you'll still be the same like everything else. Yeah. So why, why not receive knowledge? So that you are not destroyed. I said, why not? 9.24. You see, Jesus is a, is a lover. He's our lover. And, and he's saying to you and me, if you try to hang on, he said the word, if you try, which means that you will not be able to. But if you, if, if you are tempted to give it a shot, do you get it? By hanging on to your life, you will lose it. Because he knows that your life that you have is contaminated and it's on its way to destruction. But if you give it up, or but if you give up your life for my sake, it's almost like, listen, I want to strike a deal with you. What you have in your hands is going to decay. But you give it to me. I'll give you a new one that won't decay. Give it to me. I'll give you a new one that won't decay. This is what most people, most Christians don't understand. You see, most Christians think that Jesus has come to beautify that life which is decaying. No, he has not come to beautify that life which is corrupted, that life which is decaying, that, that will not make it to the place where you will finally be. So he says, give it to me, leave it for me. At least I have the power to make it useful. You have not the power to make it useful because of the corruption in it. But I have the power to make it useful. So leave it for me so that I owe you. Mm, this is a good deal. And you see, when you leave it for him so that he owes you, you see, he said that, when you, when you harvest, you receive wages. So whatever you, you do with the life that he's asked you to live for, he will also pay you for it. So you are going to have two things. He will, he will give your life back to you, but not in a corrupt state, but in a clean state. Secondly, for using your life that is corrupted here on earth for him, he also has to pay you. Hallelujah. This is what a lot of Christians don't understand. And, and you see, we feel that, no, Jesus has come to really beautify our life. Listen, no matter how much deco you put on a building that is decayed in the foundation, it will go down. It will go down. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Let us understand this and use it rather meaningfully for the Lord in all that we do. I said in all that we do. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through our lives by submitting ourselves for the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. And you see, just I can, as I began to look, I realized that he has said it in many places. In Luke 16, 15, open to Luke 16, 15. He said, what is honorable or what you highly, you hold dear. Before God, it's an abomination. Now, what is so dear to you other than yourself? And in yourself, which part of you is so dear other than your flesh? And he said unto them, you are there who justify, but God knows your heart. But that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, you see, I've always limited this scripture to things. Until I was praying and the Lord showed me that. Before you go on to things, start the things with yourself. Which part of you is highly esteemed or honorable among men? You are a spirit that has a soul, or you are a soul that has a spirit and lives in the body. Which part of you is highly esteemed among men? Just, just let's do the analysis. Who has gotten attention this morning before you got out of your room? Hello? Lerato? Who has gotten attention? The three people of you. Who has received attention? Who has been done nicely? Who has been fed both outwardly and inwardly to give it strength? God, please, can you give it to us in English? You 
You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. What this world honors, I said, what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. What does this world honor in you? In you? Let's, before we go out, let's start in. You understand what I'm saying? What does this world honors in you? You are a soul, has a spirit, lives in a body, or you are a spirit has a soul, whichever way. There are three parts of you. Which part of you is respected by the world? And you see, what is respected by the world is given attention by the world. I said, what is respected by the world is given attention. So you find out that a lot of us, even though we are Christians, we are still following what actually God said, this one is, I don't want, this one is rotting. It's, it's nothing that I want to stay with. And you see, what, let me, let me, let me say this to you. Hear me and hear me well. Are you listening? As a person sitting by you, are you listening? The man is preaching to you. He's, he's not preaching to somebody who didn't come to church. He actually saw you. He actually saw you. That's why he's saying what he's saying. If you can hear his examples, he's talking about you. Hallelujah. Listen, that which the world honors is detestable in the eyes of God. Now, Therefore, what you honor, what means something to you, when it comes under attack, it will hurt you. Mm. Let me say it again. Why it is important what you honor, why it's important is because of its effect when it comes under attack on you. Let me say it again. The importance of what you honor is in this. When that thing comes under attack, it affects you and will affect you more. You see, I value my life more than my shirt. So, for example, if I find myself in a difficulty and my shirt is torn and my body is intact, I'll not cry over it. In fact, I'll be praising the Lord. In terms of me, as I'm standing now, are, are you here with me? In terms of me, as I'm standing now, I'm wearing clothes, but in, and I'm wearing shoes and all these little, little things. Now, any of them, when somebody's attacking me or a lion is attacking me and gets any of them but doesn't touch my body, I'll go and give a thanksgiving offering to the Lord. Because what is valuable to me most in the midst of things that are reachable, are you with me, by the lion, is my body. When the lion tests my shirt, I will not have pain the following day. But when he gives me a big bite on my buttocks or my back, do you get it? I'll have a lot of pain. And instead of thanking God, I'll be asking, why did God allow it? Because of the things that a lion could touch. You see, the lion can't touch my soul. Of the things that a lion could touch, I value the body more than the clothes. So touching the body is touching me. But you see, God doesn't value the body the way I value it. Because the Bible says what is highly honored or honorable in the sight of men is an abomination unto God. That's why God, this body is going nowhere. And it's like, I'm not taking death away from it because even when it dies, I have a better one to put on you. That, that's why Jesus said, don't be afraid of somebody who is able to kill the body and afterwards can do nothing. Because killing the body is nothing. You have touched nothing. In the eyes of God, you have touched nothing. But you see, Satan knows that for most of us, the body is everything. You see, first of all, in terms of ranking, in terms of ranking, the body is number one to us. Number two are our possessions or our children, the fruit of our body. Number three are our, some people, well, depending on who you are, some people even change their position. Their children are less important than their acquisitions. But ranking, you see, ranking, what is precious to us is our body. Then our children, if we have reached that stage. Then our acquisitions. Now, Satan is aware of this ranking. So when he went to God about Job, he said, first presented, you want to do what? You stretch forth and touch all he has. Permission granted. He went for his things. I said he went for his things. And then he progressed unto his children. But the Bible says in all these things, Job did not sin against God. When his body was touched, then he started to talk. Hey, he cursed the day he was born. You see, that's what I'm saying. That Satan knows this. Satan knows. If you don't know this, and you misplace your, your, your priority or you misplace your value, Satan will get you. You see, Satan will make you walk away from your greatest blessing. Because the thing that you value most, which in the eyes of God is nothing, and therefore will allow it to be touched as a test, it can make you walk away. You see, when my car was stolen, 1999, 20 years ago, and it was stolen because I was supposed to go to work 
They called me as I was about to go to church. And I said, that day, I was the one preaching because there were two pastors. Pastor Kinsey was around. But because I was the one preaching, I couldn't give emphasis priority to my work. Because I felt that it would be some way to just tell Apostle Kinsey that I'm going to work. So I made arrangement for somebody to stand in at work for me. When I came back to come and go to work in the afternoon, my car was gone. After, going to, after not going to work so that I can go and preach for God or preach to his people. And I finished preaching and I came back to take my car. My car was gone. Uh, I wish I could tell you I gave him praise. I said, I wish I could tell you I gave him praise. How many think I really praise the Lord for that? No, 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 no. Because I've gone for an overdraft to buy a second car because I needed a second car. And it's not a new car. I have not even registered a car in my name. And God, you have allowed the car to be taken. I mean, what type of God are you? Do you get it? But, but at that time, I didn't have this knowledge. So to be honest with you, I was a bit, a bit is like, you know, trying to be polite. I was, I, was, I was angry. I was very angry. Even though I didn't say it, I was very angry. I started to advance other reasons just to, like, an ointment to apply to my anger so that it wouldn't go overboard. That who knows, maybe this car was going to die in it and all those things. And, but it didn't, it's, it just didn't make me react. Did you get it? But I felt the pain. Having to pay installments for two years. A car that I didn't have. It's not a nice thing. But you see, if the Lord had not been merciful to me, that's what I would say. Because, you see, because the amount involved was small, the anger was also not that high. But there was an anger. Did you get it? Because it was only 20,000 in those days. It was not 200,000. It was 20,000. So yes, there was anger, but limited anger because of the amount involved. But I must admit that it could easily have made me walk away from the church. You see, and meanwhile, this is, the church is a blessing that God is giving me. The church is a blessing to be a pastor of people for all these years. Scattered all over. It's a blessing. Today, today, if I stand in the church and I said, now Bishop Peter is in charge of the UD, I said, Bishop Peter, please, I need about 20,000. Tell the pastors. Even the pastors will give me. You see, but for this 20,000, the temptation would have been to walk away. Because my value was on the car. And therefore, the hurt would have been significant if the amount had been bigger. And it would have made, it would make you walk. That's what Job's wife tell, told Job. Curse God and die. Curse God and die. Ah, it's enough. Many of us don't do our... I mean, recently I was being told of somebody who says uh, 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 she's giving up on God and doesn't want to uh, 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 come to church. And I'm asking myself, what has God done wrong? What has, I mean, what, what wrong can God do you? Giving up on God. I mean, I just said that. A boy is blowing her and she's feeling guilty to come to church. That's why she's giving up on God. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I may be wrong. I may be wrong, but I know I'm 90% right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I'm about 99% right. I promise you. I've been a pastor for some time. When people are angry with God, check carefully. I've learned this. When your child spiritual child is rebelling and fighting you. Check carefully. There's sin in their lives. Yeah. I've learned it. I've learned it. So when, when my pastor starts to argue and doing some, some things, I know that there's sin in the person's life. Yeah. It is when there's sin in your life that you are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When people watch it, when people begin to fight, angry over nothing, just check carefully. Something else is going wrong. Which, you see, something else is going wrong, which is making them react the way they are reacting to the situation. <laughs> oh, I, and I tell you, 99%, you'll be right. I tell you, at that time, if there was sin in my life in a certain way, with the theft of the car, I would have reacted very angrily. And it's, this is very important. You see, you may think that what I'm saying, because if you're going to walk with God, you are going to come under fire. You are going, you see, Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. He didn't say you may, you could. He said, you shall have tribulation. In this world, in this world, you will have it. If you are mine, you would have it. I said, if you are mine, you would have it. If you are mine, you are going to have it. 
in this world, you have it. So, you see, the, the preparation for what you would have is having knowledge and understanding that what Satan can touch is not esteemed by God as anything. It is me who, it means something to me, but it doesn't mean much to God. And the truth is, what means nothing to God is nothing. What means nothing to God is nothing. It may mean everything to you, but the truth is, it's nothing. Because who has the final say? I said, who has the final say? And who determines what is of value? Is it you or is God? So if God says this is nothing, it is nothing, no matter what you say. But you see, Satan will deceive you to make you believe and feel and everything that this is something and that it has been touched. It means God has failed you. If you come out in the morning and you leave, you leave your rubbish to be collected by the people on Monday morning and you come on Sunday evening and somebody has come to steal your rubbish, would you be angry? Do you put a security guard on your rubbish when you are put it outside for collection? You see, you are laughing. You are laughing. That's exactly what you do. You get angry over what is rubbish in the eyes of God because he didn't protect your rubbish. Yeah. And you see, I'm saying this to us because it, it's going to come. I said it's going to come. It's going to come. It will come. There are going to be things that will happen in your life that Satan will tell you, God doesn't care. God is not happy with you. God is, this is, it will happen. Satan will tell you. But the question I ask you is that if you come out and your rubbish is stolen, not it's taken by the rubbish man, but it's been stolen. You are laughing. Because it sounds, it sounds quite nonsense for somebody to be angry for, for, for rubbish that is stolen. But that's exactly what it is. When you're angry with God over things that are nothing in his eyes. But you see, your rubbish, your meat that is rotting, is, 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 is treasure for the vultures. It's treasure for the vultures. So for the vulture, when, you, when they have collected all the rubbish, it's like our food is gone. Our, our happiness is taken away. But you see, to you, it's rubbish. But to the vulture, it's something. Does that make it something? No. It's the same thing. To God, it's rubbish. To God, I don't need this. And to you, it's everything. That to the point that you even want to worship it. Yeah. And you see, this, I'm emphasizing this aspect because what is happening is that, you see, Satan is very wicked and very smart. You see, you can't easily fight or struggle with somebody who is wicked and smart. You see, when the person is wicked but daft, you can outwit them. But when the person is smart and also very wicked, it's a dangerous enemy. And that's what we are up against. So our having knowledge is important. Do you know what is happening to the church today? Do you know what is happening to the church? The church today is spending time counseling one after counseling on issues, people's rubbish that has been stolen, that they need to be consoled and comforted and explain that all things work together and all the story. So the church has shifted from the main work of knowing Christ and working with him, knowing the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest in us. We don't, we hardly talk about those things. All that we do now, when we have the counseling, when our preaching and everything, is about how your rubbish can be recovered and how God is going to give you more rubbish and how God will protect your rubbish. Yeah, yeah I'm telling you. It's true. That's, that's, that's the church. If I sit down and talk with you, most of you right now, your, your concerns are not not your concerns are not about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is not manifesting in you. That, that's not your concern. That, that's not your concern. You don't even know that there are gifts of the Holy Spirit that must manifest in you to establish you and to make you fruitful. That, that's not your concern. Your concern is about your rubbish. Your house, your car, your this, a boy, a girl. What, what, are, what are the other concerns? Job and things like yeah. Yeah, those are your concerns. So you have shifted from the main thing. And yet, interestingly, 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 when you have the main thing, the rubbish will be abandoned. When you have the main thing, the working of the Holy Spirit in you and your communion with God is working powerfully, abundance of things is what will be your portion. And you will use them for what they are. And they'll mean nothing to you. So they have no power to even take your heart away from God. Yeah. You, you'll never be angry with God about rubbish that is taken out, is stolen. Yeah. Look at me. God is giving me things that have fruit unto eternal life. That's the church. Pastoral work. Serving him. And, 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 and I was about to be angry. Or I was angry for allowing a second car that was over 15 years old to be stolen. When, when he's giving me a church, 
that I can buy a brand new car every year if that is what I want. If that is what I want, not an expensive car, just a 200,000 car or 300,000. Every year, the church can buy me a car. Every year. Not on loan, but full payment. 300,000. What is 300,000? Every year, I just want to change my car. I don't want a complex car. Angel, would you know I help to buy? Are you give? You will be happy that, ah, we are buying a car for Bishop. Are you saying I can't get 300 people in the church to give 1,000 rands each for a 300,000 Toyota Corolla? Every year. The whole year that we are giving 1,000 rands for Bishop to use to buy a car. Ah, I'll get more than enough. But you see, I was about to be angry with God. And you see, you see, 300,000 getting a car is, is not eternal reward. There are ways for me a crown, a crown of righteousness. I don't know how it will feel like to wear a crown, but I don't want to be crownless in heaven. I don't know. You see, it's like, a, I mean, you may not know as a child what it feels like not to have a hair until you grow up as a woman. And you discover that, ah, I wish God gave me more hair. Okay, since he didn't give me, let me go and assist myself. Yeah. Let me go and assist myself by, by renting somebody's own every now and then. Hallelujah. All the women have hair now. I need a tissue. All the women have hair now. I mean, once upon a time, you have those who have hair and those who don't have. But now, even when a woman doesn't have hair, a lot. It's like, oh, it's me who doesn't want it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, but otherwise, it's not a problem. Do you get it? Yeah. But to a child who doesn't have it, doesn't care. But when you become, it's the same thing that we don't know what crowns and the blessings, the things that are promised us in heaven or when Christ comes, the things that are promised us. We don't know what they will be. But me, I want to have some. Let me have it and not use it rather than not to have it. I look at my girls. They also want artificial. I say, this world. Because their hair, even me as a man, as I'm looking at them, their hair is a lot. And I say, ah, what do you need artificial for? Let them cut it. Give them one year. It will grow a lot. Say, what do you need artificial for? Let me have it and not use it rather than not to have it. Hallelujah. So listen, I want us to pray that God would give us the heart to perceive, the eyes to see, and the ears to hear. That whatever is happening in our lives and whatever he shows us, we will see, we will hear, and understand. Hallelujah. And that we must not be deceived into crying over what is rubbish in his eyes. No matter what the world says to us, it is. Because what the world honors, he doesn't honor it. And though we are in the world and we use the things of this world, we should never be found to be angry with God over what is rubbish in his eyes. Hallelujah. Let us know, we pray that God will let us know the value of the things that are important in our lives and to put value on them, the things that he puts value on. Even though we may use the rubbish of this world, may we never put value on them. I said, may we never be found to put value on them for them to determine and to direct our lives. Because they are intended to deceive us. See, Job, when he was touched, it's nothing. But when his flesh, and you see, the most important thing about him, God said to Satan, don't touch it. You see, God knows what is important in in his eyes. And that, that one, I tell you, he will protect it. He will protect it. And he will keep it safe for you. Hallelujah. And therefore, also, one of the things that we need to know and to understand is that this whole life that we have is, is, is valueless in the eyes of God. If we were to use it for ourselves, it, it will bring us nothing. It will bring us no reward in his sight. You see, our lives without Jesus, or our lives without being used for Jesus will not generate anything that is of value in the eyes of God. It will just generate rubbish in his eyes. It may mean everything to you like the rubbish means everything to a vulture. It may mean everything to you. But in the eyes of God, it's nothing. So let us pray that God by his spirit would give us understanding so that we will spend our nothing lives for him or with him. From which can come something. You see, he's able to bring something out of nothing. He's able to bring something out of nothing. And therefore, in his hands, this useless life of ours, this rubbish life of ours can bring gold. In the hands of God. So may we, I pray, and the only thing that can prevent us 
from giving it to him is the enticement of the rubbish that Satan would want us to be attracted to. Most, you see, mo- most of you, when you look at me, or when I, when you get to know that oh, I'm a medical doctor, it's like, oh yeah, a medical doctor, and he's not practicing. You see, it sounds nice, medical doctor, but you see, a medical doctor outside the hands of God will generate nothing but rubbish. I, I don't know if you understand what I mean. So for me, this same medical doctor, if I, if I had valued the things of this world, it would have stood between me serving God, having a life that has eternal rewards and not serving God. Oh yes. And a lot of people don't because of these type of things. They don't. I said they don't. They don't. And many of you don't serve God because of these type of things. Because you value your career in quotes and its development more than the opportunity God is offering you. And what happens is that, see, it's, it's a stage-wise thing. You don't, you will not agree that you are neglecting it. Because in your eyes, I go to church. But what you do is that when you value your career more than what God is offering you, you don't, you don't have enough time to engage God and to develop your spirit. For the Holy Spirit, you don't, you don't grow in your partnership with the Holy Spirit. I said you don't grow in your partnership with the Holy Spirit. So therefore, your usage is limited and restricted. You see, yesterday I went for a wedding and I went with my two daughters. But you see, I was comfortable with them and I felt relaxed being with them because they have grown. These were babies that I held in my hands. I sowed the seed for their pregnancy and I saw it growing inside and I've seen it growing outside. (laughs) You get it? But yesterday I was with them. I was with them and we were chatting, discussing and talking and laughing. You see, what? I don't know what I said. We were laughing. We were laughing so much. Then when I lifted up my eyes, I realized that some of the people were looking at us in the car. And I'm sure they are saying to us, hey, what is Bishop laughing about with his, with his children? But you see, the reason why I could laugh with them so much and be comfortable with them is because they grew or they have grown and are still growing. So I can talk to them. I can, they, now we can engage at a, at a certain level. It's the same thing about your spirit and the Holy Spirit. You see, as long as you remain a child, if they were children, two years, three years, I would have left them at home. I would never have gone out with them. Because they are going to be a nuisance to me. I'm going for a wedding. And now I have to carry two, three-year-olds going around, running, changing nappies. No. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So, you see, what it is is that your, the things you value have a way of hindering you from, the, for, from developing what you should develop. That, that's, that's, that's the point I'm making. That you don't get the time to pray because you are busy studying. You don't get the time to do certain things you need to do because you have to go for this, you have to do that. So most of us, without knowing, by, by valuing the things that are useless in the eyes of God, it is hindering us from developing what we should develop to, be, to find ourselves useful in the hands of God. Yeah, because most of you, by your work, you can't easily pray five hours a day. No, no, you can't. You may want to, but you can't. You can't, you can't. Occasionally, you get a breakthrough. And even when you get a breakthrough, there's competition for that time. Because of what value you don't, you see, because of what you value, it's leading you to neglect what is valuable in the eyes of God. That, that's the whole thing. You see, your Christian life is not growing because you are sowing, you are not watering it, you are not manuring it, you are not giving it food to grow because of what you value. I said because of what you value, which in the eyes of God is detestable. So you see how it's working. You see, it can work on two sides. Satan is wild, though. You see, he can touch it, some of the things you value, and then it will make you angry with God. He says, I don't want to talk to him. What, what do I have to tell him? I'm angry with him. Don't talk with him. And Satan, you see, you don't talk to him, but Satan is always talking to you. Ah. Satan is always talking to you, telling you, you know, ah, you see, I told you this God. He has his favorites. You know, yeah, it's okay. He saved you, but, you know, anyway, me, I've told you already. He has his favorites, you know, and you are not one of his favorites, so. That's why, that's why all this, this is happening to you. But it's true. He has a lot of power. But you see, he uses it on a few people that he likes. You get it, huh? But you, 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 you see, that, that, that what is happening to you is evidence that he really doesn't like you. you know? So you should, you should stop trying. You should stop trying. Just be yourself. You know, just, just live your normal life. Yeah. Why are you not? This girl likes you. Why don't you? Just, just be aware. This is God you are trying to live for righteously. Listen, he, don't you see he doesn't care for you? I mean, I told you. You are denying yourself something. You get, you, you, heaven, you are, okay, you get to heaven and you discover that you denied yourself for nothing. 
just, just, just enjoy it, you know. Just enjoy it. Just, I mean, just, look, maybe you need to relieve yourself of the tension. One of the, one of the things that I've, I've noticed, when a lot of people are unhappy with God, they're angry. They, they, one of the commonest things they do is that they give themselves to uselessness. You know, the things that they, they fought to not to do, they begin to do them. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the first sign, first thing. So when you talk to them, so like let's say I've seen somebody who is like sleeping around with the girls. And when I talk to them, one of the things they, they tell is that they felt nothing was working for them. It's like nothing was working for me. Now, the meaning of what they are saying is that nothing is working for me. So what is the point in holding myself? Because I'm holding myself hoping that it would make things work for me. But when I look at my life, nothing is working. So what was the point of restricting myself? What's the point? And come to think about it, it makes logical, like human sense. That I, I don't do the things I feel like doing so that I may have an upright walking with God. But if walking with God, I can't see anything working. My job is not going well. This is not working. This is not happening. What's the point? What's the point? What's the point? Let me just be happy. At the end of the day, it will soon disappear. Why am I denying myself? But you see, what you don't know is that what you see not working. It's actually working. But you can't just see because you don't have the eyes to see. Because what is working, you see, what has been said about you and what God is doing for you, your spirit would have to hear it from the Holy Spirit. But God has revealed to us by his spirit. 1 Corinthians 2. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. To our spirit. But, but the problem is that your spirit, the Holy Ghost is speaking, but your spirit is not hearing. Because your spirit has not grown to hear and to understand. Because you have deprived your spirit the opportunity to grow and to understand. I mean, this little boy playing here, if I start telling him about the future plans I have for him and how I'm going to make him this, I'm going to do it, he doesn't understand any of those things. All he wants is I give him sweets. That, that's what he understands. But what he doesn't know is that giving him sweets is going to make him sick. Because his teeth will be gone before he's 18 years. But what he wants now is sweets. All my future plans, I'm going to take you to invest. I'm going to take you to Harvard. I'm going to pay every expense and things. Nonsense. He, he doesn't even understand what I'm talking about. What he understands, if, if I take a sweet right now and I give it to him, he'll smile. He'll give me a hug. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, uncle. Yeah. Yeah, and, and most of us, because our spirits are not grown, that's why we cry over the things we cry about. Yeah, because that's why we cry over the things. That, and but you see, that this is what, it, it's coming from the same thing. You have placed value on what is rubbish, and by so doing, when Satan attacks it, you get angry. By so doing, you also don't give the time you need to give to what you need to develop. It's a complex thing, but it starts from one thing: the value, the value. I said the value, the value. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination unto God. If you understand that scripture, it should change many things you do. I said, if you understand that scripture, it should change many things you do. It should change many things you do. And your life will never be the same. Value, if I pursued my career, I would have lost out big time. I said, I would have lost out big time. I would never have seen what, I, what, what I'm seeing. I would never have seen what I'm seeing. Because I set off on a plane on the 13th of April 1997 to come to South Africa with a mind to specialize. Not with a mind to come and do church. Not with a mind to come and do church. No. I wish I could tell you, you know, I saw an angel standing at the tip of South Africa and calling me, come my son, come my son. I would never have seen an angel, even if the angel stood there. That's why the Lord didn't call me here with an angel. I thank him that he, because I would never have seen the angel. I would have seen my, my desire to prosper. My desire to acquire rubbish. And bag it. And give it labels. And put a security over it. Ensure my rubbish. Yeah. And then when my life is ended, I'll discover that I gathered rubbish. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination unto God. May your story never be that you esteem what was an abomination unto God. But may God by his spirit grant you the grace to esteem that which is highly esteemed in his eyes. That when you meet him, to be said of you, you collected treasure, you collected treasure, you collected treasure, you were not deceived because you did not value what I don't value, but rather valued what I value. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, help us. We want to pray. Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. 
Oh, I want to praise you. Because I don't know why I'm preaching these serious messages at a time when most people are home. But maybe it's for some, just a few. It's for some of you who are here to hear. I said it's for some of you who are here to hear. Hear in your spirit what the Lord is saying to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, some people would hear, but they would hear too late. But I believe you are hearing at the right time. Make the changes that must be made in your life. Value what God values. Value what God values. Lift up your voice and begin to talk to Oh, yes. Say, Lord. Ash, that which is esteemed among men. I don't want to esteem it. I don't want to I want to value what you value. I want to value what you value. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, to esteem what Thank you, Holy Spirit. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. This is my crown. This is my crown. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Your help. We need your help. We need your help. Maronderi Kasanda
that will prevent me from being deceived and destroyed. Oh, I thank you for this. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Seeking you 
Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for his love. Thank you for his mercies that are new every morning. So, thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank Father, we thank you, we bless you, we give you praise. Thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice who heard your word. I thank you that it shall bear fruit in the lives of all of us. None has fallen by the wayside or a stony ground, but we are a heart that is fertile, a heart that is nurtured, that shall bear fruit to the glory of your name. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe somebody invited you or you came to church by yourself, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And you want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to give my life to Christ. Please lift up your right hand. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I'm grateful for my salvation and for the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I declare my faith in him as a son of God who came and died for me. He rose again on the third day, seated at your right hand. I thank you for his precious blood that has washed me clean of every sin and every guilt of sin. I receive this blood as my protection 
as my deliverance from evil as your love for me may it induce in me a corresponding love for you God and Jesus my savior and Holy Spirit the gift that was promised I receive all these wonderful blessings in the mighty name of Jesus We believe that you have been blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our website on loyaltyhousesouthafrica.org.